welcome to the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor Podcast. I'm Danielle Bergner, a real estate attorney with Hall Render. And today we will be speaking with Carrie Vanderford Sanders, CEO of Hope Community Capital, on the topic of new markets tax credits for hospitals and federally qualified health centers or FQHCs. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning, Danielle. Uh, Carrie, maybe for those not familiar with Hope Community Capital, um, could you maybe just start by telling us a little bit about your organization and what you do? Yes, thanks, Danielle. Um, my name is Carrie Vanderford Sanders, as Danielle identified, and I am the CEO and founder of Hope Community Capital. We are a national community development finance consultancy. We work with projects across the nation that need to access interesting tax credits other public subsidies, also impact capital to uh, develop and operate high-impact community facilities. Wonderful. Before we uh, dive into the application of the New Markets Tax Credits Program to hospitals and FQHCs, I thought it might be helpful if we just talk a little bit more broadly about the New Markets Program um, its underlying policies and objectives, and, and just basically how it works. I think that would be a good foundation for our listeners today. Um, maybe, Carrie, from your perspective, just explain a little bit, how does the New Markets Tax Credits Program work? A lot of people have heard of it. Uh, they're familiar with the term. But what I find is a lot of our healthcare clients um, aren't intimately familiar with the program and what it's really intended to accomplish. So, Danielle, the New Markets Tax Credit Program is Section 47D of the IRS Code, and it was originally envisioned in 2001 and is currently administered through the U.S. Department of Treasury through the Community Development Financial Institutions Office. The point of the program then and still today is to provide a federal tax credit to investors for investing in a qualified project, in a qualified census tract, through an entity called a community development entity that has been granted or awarded rather uh, allocation authority for new market tax credits. So what this would look like is a, again, often it is our bigger banks or often we'll have tax credit syndicators that are out to uh, or have an interest in a mission and a financial um, focus on investing in the new market tax credit. And what they will do is they will work with the community development entities that have applied for an award of new market tax credit authority. Um, I should mention that these community development entities um, are qualified by the U.S. Department of Treasury through the Community Development Financial Institutions Office, annually apply for an allocation of the $5 billion in new market tax credits that is appropriated for this program annually. So we have $5 billion that these community development entities apply to the U.S. Department of Treasury annually. Uh, the average allocation of authority to these community development entities uh, in the past year was around 50, 51 million dollars. So back to what does the investor do? The investor works with a community development entity that has been awarded the new market tax credit. And the community development entity says, 
hey, I've got in this case, let's use a federally qualified health center located in a qualified census tract, meaning it is qualified on the basis of poverty, median household income, and unemployment. One or all of those three, as well as some other secondary criteria may come into play. But nonetheless, the CDE in my scenario has a federally qualified health center that um, is in a qualified census tract and the federally qualified health center is engaging in activities, uh, which we all know, I hope on this audience, what a federally qualified health center does that qualify as an active business for new market tax credits. And the investor says, great. So the CDE says, I am allocating 10 million of our allocation to this wonderful FQHC project. And the investor says, great. I would like to buy those credits. So the investor receives a thir- receives 39% of that $10 million investment as a federal tax credit taken over seven years. So that is the summary, Danielle. Um, I can certainly go into much more nuance, but that it is an incentive for investors to invest in qualified projects in qualified census tracts. Which are generally... Um low-income communities or communities experiencing high rates of, of unemployment or um, poverty-type conditions. Is that accurate? Yes. And, and exactly, you called it a low-income community, and that is exactly the designation that the U.S. Department of Treasury and the CDFI fund calls it, a low-income community based on poverty, unemployment, and median household income. And so there are certain benchmarks within those that help it to understand if this is a qualified census tract from a geographic perspective. I think that's, I think that's a really important policy issue to understand at the outset of the conversation, because, um, you know, we get phone calls frequently from healthcare clients that hear of this program and they hear it's, it's really great and a great way to help finance um, facility improvements and capital projects. Um, but a lot of our clients who call don't understand at the outset that the program is not intended to create subsidy or incentive in every community around the country. It really is the policy underlying this program is to direct investment, to incentivize dev- investment in, in fundamentally low-income communities. And so I think that that's an important thing to understand. And Carrie, you and I have worked uh, you know, over the years on many new markets projects and the great one of the things I like about the New Markets program is it's not an urban program, it's not a rural program. It is a program that incentivizes and and, and helps with facilitating capital projects in in urban and rural areas around the country, um, so long as they meet the qualified low income um, standards for that community. Absolutely, and often I say. It's a geography program, right? I mean, that is the first conversation I have of once I say, mm, I'm intrigued with the impact of this project and I can see what you're doing for the community here. Uh, let me get that address. And immediately I map it and, and just that's where we start in terms of whether or not it will have access to this new market tax credit program. So one of the things you just said um, piqued my interest and it's one of the things I really enjoy about working with you when you said you, when you're talking to somebody about a project and, and it, um, you know, it piques your interest in terms of its fit for the program, you act as somewhat of an intermediary 
between the CDEs and the um, and the parties that are ultimately looking to secure the investment for their project. And so, what are the things that you look for um, as a consultant when you're evaluating? Is this project a good fit or not a good fit for the New Markets Program? So. I will say for our firm, our specialty truly is on community facilities. So that does include, I believe, what your audience is very focused on as well, which again is the hospitals, the health clinics, the federally qualified health centers, and on. So what I am looking for in terms of impact really mirrors what those community development entities that have this allocation authority, what they have said to the U.S. Department of Treasury that they will do and the impact they will create with the allocation if they win it, right? So these community development entities have a business strategy. They have a community impact focus. And my job between, as you said, the community development entities and the actual project themselves seeking the the tax credits, my job is to understand the business strategy and the impact strategy of these community development entities and see if there is alignment in what is happening at the the project. Okay. So for health related facilities, let's call it, we are looking for number of patient visits. I mean, we are really looking at that. We are really looking at payer mix. Okay. So why we are looking at payer mix, we are trying to understand how many low income patients are being served. Okay. So those are kind of two main things. We are looking for Uh, expansion of, let's just say behavioral health. There's no behavioral health. Uh, We want to use new market tax credits to do behavioral health at this particular hospital. Let's say we want to do reproductive care. Okay. That is another expansion. It's what can we, if we had access to this new markets, what sort of impact could we make? Could we serve more patients? Could we offer more services? Uh, Could we could we bring in more healthcare providers? Okay. These are the impacts that um, are really important to the community development entities to understand. And so, as I mentioned, I believe earlier, these community development entities, when they apply for an allocation of this tax credit authority, it is highly competitive. It is subscribed I believe four times more than what the 5 billion is available to allocate from the federal government. Okay. So when they go in the CDEs for these allocations, they want to have the most competitive projects and most high impact projects, right? So they're saying we can do this. And so when they win that allocation, they are going to be very, very impeccable and meticulous with regard to alignment in terms of, are you putting the allocation into this FQHC over here in a rural community that it has is medically underserved? Is that in my example, is that aligned with what they told the CDFI fund they would do with their allocation? And I will say in my, in my experience, and I've been doing this, oh, I think 17 years now, Danielle, um, People uh, or projects that are serving um, low-income communities that are providing greater access to healthcare do very well on the impact. And I don't need to tell your audience about the impact, but I will say that this is a very strong alignment for the program. Yeah, that's that's great. That impact piece I think is really important to understand because it does it does guide which projects these CDEs ultimately choose. It's a competitive process, right? Correct. Um, 
Let me ask this question at a, at a federal policy level. You know, the, it seems to me the federal policy has swung back and forth a little bit over the years in terms of the types of projects that, that CDEs have been successful, or I should say the, the types of strategies that CDEs have been successful securing credits with. Mm-hmm. You know, for a number of years, uh, the new markets allocations were heavily skewed towards um, CDEs that were focusing on uh, more ec- pure economic development, job creation, um, going to CDEs that had missions that were very focused on job creation and economic development. But it does seem to me like that pendulum has swung uh, back uh, a bit more towards community development. Um, healthcare, uh, social, um, you know, social determinants of health type of issues. Is that perception correct on my part? Yes. And something that I, I find just amazing pretty much on a daily basis, getting to do this work is the diversity of projects that get done using new market tax credits. So yes, is there a focus on jobs? Absolutely. I cannot tell you. There must be at least five or six CDEs that are very focused on one thing and one thing only, and that is rural manufacturing. Okay. And that is that is jobs. That is what we are talking about there is quality jobs. But there are also a handful of CDEs that are 100% focused on health, education, and other social determinants of health. In fact, there is at least one CDE that is solely focused on investing their tax credits into FQHCs. So yeah, I yes, Danielle, I believe that um, there's less of a focus on jobs for some CDEs. But what I am really excited about and what I have noticed is just the diversity of projects that can get done. Because think about it, the criteria is, As far as the IRS code goes, they don't talk about community impact in the IRS code. Section 47D does not say anything about community impact. That's what the industry has has created, which is a good thing in my opinion. But the code says you're in a qualified census tract and you're a qualified active low-income community business. That's what it says. So. Um, I, but I agree. I, I think we've gotten very sophisticated. I've seen social determinants of health, um, the, the UN development goals as well are things that tend to come into um, impact as well. Can you help us to understand how the subsidy associated with the new markets tax credit program works? I have worked on the several FQHCs throughout the country, and I'm not going to name names, but in each of those cases, Uh, What they have come to me with is that, you know, our operations will wait, we've done our, we've done our community health planning. We know we need to add dental. Let's say dental is big here in Wisconsin, big time need. Um, I'm sure that's not, not unlikely in other places as well. Um, So we need to add dental. We need to add a rural dental clinic to our FQHC. We have very thin operating margins. We are not able to take out a lot of debt. Um, We've also raised some capital, some private capital, but we're missing about like 20% of our capital stack to finish this dental clinic project. And the need is so desperate. We, but we, we have exhausted our resources financially to get this done. We need 20 more percent. And that is where I say, okay, where is this thing located? (laughs) Let me understand if it's a low-income community. 
And let's see what your total project cost is. So it's a $10 million dental clinic expansion. They have figured out how to bring 8 million to the table. We're missing two. And I'm saying, let's go find 10 million in allocation, which will generate $2 million in low cost equity to the project. What happens at the new market tax credits in very broad strokes, it is a seven-year compliance program. And so when you close on the financing on day one of the closing of the financing of the $10 million in financing, which is financed through the new markets tax credits, um, you have access to that full 10 million of financing. The investor pays in advance for that credit that they're receiving right? They're receiving a credit. That's the whole point of this program. They pay in advance for it. You get to access to that money to build out your dental clinic. And at the end of the seven-year compliance period, the investor says, well, thank you so much. I've received the tax credit that you said I would. And I paid $2 million for that tax credit. Um, So I've got my tax credit. You've got your $2 million that you've used to build this thriving dental clinic. So I'm going to leave that $2 million. I mean, there's a whole lot of legal documents. It's not just the 2 million, (laughs) but Danielle can help you with those legal documents. Um, but they're going to leave that 2 million in the project and exit the transaction. So what you have done then as the FQHC is because of the new market tax credit financing, you have financed a $10 million project, but really have only had to repay and or raise capital for 8 million of that 10 because of this wonderful new market structure. And um, the thing is with my dental clinic expansion um, scenario there, um, the idea is that, yeah, maybe, maybe the clinic would have raised that $2 million eventually, but the the critical need for serving um, those patients with dental services was so great that they can't wait. They can't wait to raise another $2 million. Who knows if that win, win or if that will come. So the new markets accelerates that last piece of capital and makes the project happen when the community really needs it. I hope that makes sense. It does. It does. Um, so in a, in a nutshell, for, for people who have that question, the answer is it's really um, a way to access a, a low cost equity investment mm-hmm. and a way to realize at the end of seven years, um, this subsidy value to the project, which is roughly equivalent uh, to your point. There's a lot of uh, legal details and um, mm-hmm. calculations that are necessary, but rough numbers at the end of seven years, the project, and in this case, the FQHC or the nonprofit hospital realizes the value of that of that new markets tax credit equity investment when the investor exits uh, the project, exits the investment and leaves their $2 million in the project. Correct. And right. I would just add one detail to that, which is that, you know, just to reiterate, you have access to the full 10 million on the day of closing, right? To fund those construction costs and such that funds on the day of closing. So what you're really doing is you're not you're not repaying your investor at the end of the seven years. Right. That money is in the project and it doesn't come out thanks to new markets. Carrie, are there opportunities to pair new markets, tax credit, equity investment with philanthropic 
um, commitments because I, I work with a, a, a number of clinics that uh, have a really strong donor base from various sources, mm-hmm. um, but they aren't always sure how to, but maybe those, those philanthropic commitments are not, they're just not enough, right? They're not enough to your point. They would get there in, in three to five years, right? <laughs> Sure. In the meantime, there's a need. The community has a need for dental services, for behavioral health services. Um, is there an opportunity for um, either nonprofit hospitals or FQHCs to couple philanthropic commitments with the new markets tax credits equity structure? Absolutely. So I mentioned in my $10 million example there that you could count on $2 million after all is said and done, 2 million coming from your new market tax credit subsidy. But where's the rest of the 8 million? Often I see um, cash at closing. So maybe you have capital campaign or donor um, receipts that you actually have as cash on day of closing. We'll put that in to kind of fill our $8 million bucket. Okay. And then you'll have some that may come in over three to five years in which case um, the, the project would probably seek a bridge loan, right, from a financing institution. Um, and the repayment source for that bridge loan, of course, is your pledges receivable. And so that comes in. And then the other source that I see, um, I, I do actually think I've seen HRSA grants also as part of that $8 million um, bucket of sources. So other, other sorts of grants um, that maybe public grants can be part of that bucket as well. And then permanent debt can also be part of it. Um, and then also I will just see sometimes just the cash of the organization. Um, maybe they'll put in, you know, half a million in our $8 million bucket. Um, that is their net assets that they have been reserving for some time. And it's like, well, this was for an expansion and here we go. So we can fill that 8 million of the 10 many different ways. And that's another part of new markets. That's so exciting to me is because it's so diverse um, in how you can do that, but you do need to figure out the 8 million and it all has to be there. I should say this, the whole 10 million has to be accounted for on closing day. Um, Just note that the 2 million of that 10 is derived from the new market tax credit equity. Right. Understood. Carrie, one, one question I have for you. It's, it's just a, it's a very relevant and timely topic, which is behavioral health specifically. Um, We're actually preparing to issue an article uh, within the next week or so uh, regarding the status of behavioral health and in particular, the lack of facilities currently existing to meet demand in the community. And I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, because you are on the front lines of so many, you're seeing so many projects some of which will go and some of which will not. Um, I'm curious if you've seen an uptick in um, in behavioral health related projects in particular. I have. And to add a little nuance to that, what I am seeing is telehealth. So I'm seeing like maybe there is a, a hospital system or an FQHC system that maybe is based in, let's just say Madison, Wisconsin, since that's where I'm calling in from today. Um, and that they may have rural affiliates that are medically underserved, lack of medical professionals in those communities and on. And so I am seeing an uptick in, and I'm sure this is no surprise to any of your listeners here, 
an uptick in telehealth as it relates to behavioral health. And can we use new markets for that? Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about with how diverse and exciting um, the new markets funding can be. At least it's exciting to me, Danielle. I don't know, <laughs> but no, I am exciting. seeing more telehealth, especially to reach our rural, um, our rural communities. So yeah. give, give me an example of how new markets is being used in the context of telehealth. Okay. So I have a current project right now, uh, which again will remain nameless, but it is in Wisconsin. And there are going to be five small offices in rural communities in a five county area. So five offices, five counties. One of the major health systems in Wisconsin is going to be the main collaborator here providing the telehealth. So they will, um, they will have an office there. They will have the technology in each of these communities, but they will not see patients face-to-face. They will still be seeing patients from a telehealth perspective. So there is the, the need to finance the cost of this space. There are other collaborators within this space, including other social service organizations, uh, and I'll just leave it at that, but they're coming together in probably about a 5,000 square foot space in mm-hmm. five communities, in five rural, com- uh, five rural counties. And this hospital system is kind of setting up and kind of, uh, organizing the financing structure. Cause there really needs to be a lead to kind of organize the financing structure on all of these new markets, um, to, to build the space. Uh, execute the uh, collaboration agreements with the other partners in the 5,000 square feet and to market and build um, the, I guess you can say the telehealth business or outreach, I suppose is the better way of saying that. Um, And that is in those five communities, 5,000 square feet. um, That is a $13 million new market tax credit project. And it's very interesting um, because we've got lots of different partners and five different communities. So that's that's an example of how that would look like. That is really exciting. And um, it reminds me of an article I read recently in the Modern Healthcare Magazine, which had a really catchy um, subheading, which was clicks and mortar is the future of behavioral health. And it caught my attention because it, the, the type of project you are describing right now is exactly the type of project that, that this, this label clicks and mortar is talking about that it's not one or the other. It's it, the solution is a mix of the two types of delivery, um, facilities, right. Both telehealth and a bricks and mortar location for people to access those telehealth services. Right. Yeah. The collaboration aspect that you talk about is really interesting too. I like that clicks and mortar. Gonna... I know. I liked it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was catchy. Well, Carrie, this has been um, really enlightening, uh, really interesting. I'm sure that our audience will find it of great interest. As Before we close out, let me ask you, if, if a nonprofit hospital or an FQHC is starting to think about a project or they have a need in a low-income community that likely qualifies for the program, um, what would you suggest as a good starting point for, um, for, for them? Well, let's, yeah, first off, let's understand if it is actually in a low-income community. 
Secondly, let us understand the entire project cost. Okay. So really understanding the, the, the uses, right, of the financing. What are we trying to do here? And it can be in broad strokes, of course, uh, but understanding what are, what are we doing here uh, from a financing perspective? And then we also, of course, want to understand what are we doing from an impact perspective here? And that gets back to the, again, patient visits on and on the things I mentioned earlier about impact. Um, so we want to understand, again, location, what are we financing, and what are the impacts of this project? From there, you you call Danielle and you say, Danielle, I have I have something. Is this a new, is this a new market deal? And Danielle can resource you to her partners. You know, feel free to give me a call, Danielle. Um, and we can see if it's a fit. The other thing is um, part of our personal or our, our business philosophy is that we are not going to engage a project just because it is in a low-income community and there's a way to use the 10 million. We have to make sure that there is actually a community development entity out there that has alignment with their business and impact strategy to what is being presented uh, by the project sponsor, as we call them, um, because it is it is complex. That word has not come up yet, Danielle, about new markets on this call, but it is not it is not the easiest way, in my opinion, to raise 20% of your capital stack. It is not. However, it is a very powerful way to raise a part of your power, capital stack when you have exhausted other less complex options. And so uh, it works very, very well, though, for um, hospitals, health clinics, and on. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you to our audience for joining us. If you would like to learn more about any of the topics you heard in today's episode, please visit our website at hallrender.com or reach out to me at my email address, dbergner at hallrender.com. Thank you. Thank you.